In season four of Mega Dumbcast, I unearthed and punched open the secrets of Shadaloo, buried on each and every goddamn page of the aptly named Secrets of Shadaloo, a supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game. Along the way, I blazed a trail into M. Bison's island headquarters of Mriganka, where I encountered some of Shadaloo's most intriguing gaming possibilities, yet left many still to be discovered. This week, the time has come to go back. Join me now in revisiting Mriganka. Today, in the third part of revisiting Mriganka, I am here to discuss the Street Fighter video games themselves and what they have to say about Shadowloo HQ. And I come to you fearful, concerned. Uh, there is a lot of video game material to talk about. And I don't know if this has come through to you in the final edit, but I talked about Scaramanga's Island last time for damn near an hour and a half. I only have so much recording time, and I now move from talking about a few scenes in one movie to all of Street Fighter video gaming. Security may have to remove me from this hotel room if I don't pick up the fucking pace. So, I have my notes in front of me. We're going to dive right into Street Fighter video games and what they show us about where M. Bison lives, where Shadowloo is based. I'm not going to get everything. I'm not going to hit every point in all of these games, especially because the Street Fighter wikis have been no great help to me. Just want to send this random burn out into the universe. Street Fighter fandom, state of your fucking wiki. I had to go to people's private tumblers to learn the names of stages from various obscure Capcom fighting games. The Street Fighter fandom needs to pull it the fuck together. Have you ever been to any of those uh, Marvel wikis or reading orders? Impeccable. And there are more Marvel comics than anyone could ever read. But the wiki game is still so strong. Anyway, with that broadside against the Street Fighter fandom, let's talk about some fucking Street Fighter. First of all, let's talk about stages in Street Fighter games. There are a number of stages that depict something that's identified as Shadowloo HQ or like Bison's base of operations, even if they're not called Mriganka. In the context of the role-playing game, these locations would be on Mriganka or nearby, as is the case with uh, the Temple Hideout stage. That's in Bison's classic stage from Street Fighter 2. It's the iconic Bison stage. You probably know the one if you've played Street Fighter. It's got the statues. It's got the big bell. It's got the monks in the background. It's found in Street Fighter 2, it's found as DLC in Street Fighter 5, and canonically, this is Shadaloo's secret base in Thailand. Not on Rigonko, but on Thailand. And it's kind of weird for M. Bison to be at a temple like this. I don't understand his relationships to the monks. Because, like, there's a bell that rings at the beginning of the fights every time. I feel like that requires the cooperation of the monks. So it's not like it's just M. Bison and his rowdy hooligans standing outside this temple, like neighborhood kids bumming around outside a convenience store. The monks have some kind of working relationship with Bison, but there are also breakable statues in the stage. You can throw your opponent and then they'll like hit the statue and the statue breaks, right? If one of the statues breaks, one of the monks in the background who's meditating will get up and start waving his arms around. That takes conscience, that takes spiritual fortitude to be a monk meditating and then a crime lord dictator crackling with unholy energy throws a giant man into one of your temple statues and the statue crumbles and you stand up and you're like, Hey, you motherfucker over there in the hat. I'm trying to meditate over here. What the fuck? If I were a spindly monk and that happened to me, I think I would just go meditate by the other statue. But this monk has some grit and he's not totally under Bison's thumb, I think is the important takeaway. Also notable is like if you look at the background characters who are a fascinating bunch. I don't have time to talk about this, but like in general, look at the people in the background of Street Fighter stages. Not since watching ECW pay-per-views from the 90s have I been so <laughs> shocked and confused 
by who is in attendance at a highly dubious combat sport. But like here, it's mostly monks, but there's also a dude in just like a polo shirt. I don't think that's a monk on his day off. I think that's one of Bison's people. I think probably there are the monks, and then there's Shadaloo, and they have some kind of relationship, but it's not like the temple is a, a front. It's a real temple, and they're sharing the temple in an odd couple scenario with Bison and his criminal gang. So this doesn't tell us a ton about Mriganka per se, but it raises the possibility that when Bison wants to get things done not on the island, he may use facilities in Thailand, but in that context, he's not like operating in sham temples that are actually missile launching sites or something like that. He's just a very rich man, essentially renting the temple for an event, like you would rent a VFW or something like that. That would be an interesting scenario in which to meet M. Bison, I feel. But moving on from there to what we might actually find on Mriganka, if we turn to SNK versus Capcom, which is a game where the characters from Street Fighter mostly meet the characters from like King of Fighters and a little bit of Samurai Showdown. I really read a ton about this game. And now in retrospect, if I knew I was going to have to talk about it in about five minutes, I think I would have not eaten such a big wedge of the King of Fighters canon pie. But anyway, my bad decisions aside, in that game, there's a Psycho Drive stage. Um, it's a, a column of light, no naked bison in it because you couldn't get away with that in an arcade game. And also we don't deserve it. But like, it's a column of light uh, we're going to recognize from the Udon comics. It's also the same as the one we see in Street Fighter Alpha 3, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's got little floating displays in the column of light, though, like almost like floating holographic flat screens, kind of. And it's surrounded by a ring of monitors. There are view screens in a ring around the ceiling. Somebody asked M. Bison what he wanted in the Psycho Drive room, and he was busy. And we know Bison loves telecom technology, so he gave a one-word answer. View screens. And they fucking delivered. They gave him view screens on every available surface. They even installed little TVs in his fucking beam of light. Good work, unknown decorator. I hope you didn't get murdered, because you fucking nailed it. When you first fight Bison in this room, it's fully operational. But then in the second round of fighting against Bison, the psycho drive is off. The beam of light is not there, and there are these purple flames coming up from the floor all over the place. Um, I watched videos of this game. I had a tough time understanding the plot. I get the sense that most of the people who played this game were not scholars of Street Fighter canon as I was, so they didn't spend a ton of time on it in the game. But I really did want to find some sense of what the story is here. So I was able to find a playthrough of the Switch version of Millennium Fight. It's pretty poorly translated. Um, <laughs> in the playthrough that I saw, at the end of the game, uh, Ryu, this is a Ryu playthrough, confronts Geese Howard, who is the big bad from the SNK side of this crossover. And Ryu tells Geese that he'll, quote, bust him like a nut, which I do not think is the image that Ryu was going for. Uh, but I did learn that Bison and Geese working together called themselves the B&G Alliance, and that their plan apparently is to create soldiers to work for them. And there's this whole King of Fighters canon thing. I can't get into it. There's this guy, Yori. There's something called Orochi Power. All the, there's a, It's just a lot of fighting game bullshit. I don't have time to get into it. But basically, Bison and Geese are going to work together to use the Psycho Drive and, you know, rub its Psycho Power all over some kind of King of Fighters canon bullshit and make soldiers. The reason that I mention it at all is because of all the, like, crossover potential of the Psycho Drive. We already have seen in the Udon comics Bison working with Cobra for a new version of the Psycho Drive. Here we see Bison meeting up with Geese Howard and it's like, your series has a complicated continuity, so does mine. Come over to my house. Put your magic shit in my science shit. Let's see what happens. And things do happen. So this is one thing the Psycho Drive is good for. It's very easily combined with other weird stuff. Like in this case, Orochi Power is something like a spirit that represents the vengeance of Gaia. I don't have time to get into this. Let's move on to a stage called the Ring of Power. This 
truly represents Mriganka. It really does. What I think happened, and I'm piecing this together, is the Street Fighter II soundtrack at some point was released with an art book. And that art book had a bunch of um, sort of concept art, early art for Street Fighter II. One of those illustrations was the map of Mriganka that we see in the Street Fighter role-playing game. In fact, the illustrations that we see in that book and in Secrets of Shadaloo that are official Capcom art seem to be the art from the art book. So the map of Mriganka that we saw goes back quite a ways. That's early Street Fighter II stuff, but I don't think a lot of that material became canonical or was used in the games. I think the role-playing game might have been the first place that anybody picked up on the island illustrated in that art and turned it into a thing. In any case, that same illustration, the cross-section map of Mriganka, was used much later as the inspiration for a special stage in, I believe it's Street Fighter V, called the Ring of Power. It is this special stage with no kind of canonical existence, as far as I know, but it is an in-game realization of the concepts on that badass map of Mriganka. So I'm not even going to bother trying to do it justice in an audio medium. You want to go look up the Ring of Power stage and just see what they did there. Maybe I'll put it on Instagram. We'll see. But that's all just visual interest. On a deeper level, let me direct your attention to the stage Layer of the Four Kings from Street Fighter V. This is a Shadaloo headquarters stage, and it is very Street Fighter RPG. What you've got here, you've got uh, four giant heads in the background, a la Mount Bison. You've got Bison, and then you've got his three generals all represented up here. By the time of this game, Sagat has quit Shadaloo, and so he's been replaced by a character named Fong. So it's Fong's head, unless you're playing as Fong, in which case it's Sagat's head, because the storyline is you're working your way up and then you replace Sagat at the end. Not only do you have four big leering evil heads, which is classic bison, but also there's an ongoing like James Bond style evil base fight happening in the background of the stage, which is fantastic. It's this like running fight between ninja and spacesuit guys. And it says everything you need to know about Shadaloo that I do not know which side is meant to be Shadaloo in this conflict. Could be, could be ninjas, could be space guys. I have no fucking clue. In Bison hires everybody and tries to kill everybody. I think having a stage with a fight going on in the background, that is, that is pure Street Fighter RPG stuff. If you have a climactic battle with Bison, I'm not going to object if you decide that the aesthetic you prefer is solitary fight with Bison on some kind of dramatic catwalk or like his holo training room, or his haunted house but for fisticuffs that we discussed last time. Those are all fine options, but another very good option, and maybe better in the context of an overall action plot, is to have the climactic battle with Bison with a big fight between like interpolar UN forces versus Shadaloo goons in the background. So there's a mass battle going on, and then in the middle of it, you're having your martial arts face off with Bison. That's badass. That's Mriganka. Uh, in addition to the ninjas and spacemen fighting in the background, there are two custom KOs in this stage where you can defeat your opponent in a stage-relevant way. The first of them is, in addition to the Imbison statue clutching the earth in the middle of the screen, which you would think would be enough Imbison, but not for Imbison, in addition to that, over on the side, there's a secondary batch of Imbison statues, and you can do a custom KO over there where one of those Imbison statues blasts your opponent with um, purple energy. So there's some psycho power running through the environment here. And more importantly, more to the point of Bison's personality, absolutely loads of Bison statuary. I don't think that second batch of statuary, like, I don't think it lives there. I don't think it was an intentional decorative choice to put it there. I think there are just so many in Bison statues that sometimes you just find them in the hallways in transit or waiting for storage space to open up. 
Secondly, much more notably, much cooler, on the other side, there's a view screen that you can get knocked into. Yes, a view screen, and Bison loves view screens. And when you throw your opponent into the screen, there's a scientist sitting at the screen and he claps, um, which I think either that, it could be that he's just like a fight fan, or it could be that he made the view screen and he's um, very happy that someone is using it because this is a special view screen. This is an impact activated biographical data view screen. When you throw someone into it, they slide off and then the view screen displays their biographical information. What a fucking treasure to have in your home slash layer. Imagine doing this trick for guests. Imagine having someone over for coffee and then when they notice the giant view screen newly installed in your living room, you're like, watch this. You're not going to believe this. And then you kind of Irish whip them into the view screen and they slam into it. Not, I mean, not hard. You're not trying to hurt your friend. It's just like you would throw a toddler onto a pillow. Just you playfully toss them into the view screen and they slam into it. Suddenly on the view screen, it's a whole readout about all their vital statistics, all their info up there on the big screen. How does the view screen do it? I don't know. But if I were the scientist who invented this thing, if I had been given the job by M. Bison of creating a view screen that when you ram your head into it, it shows information about you, and I made it and it worked, I'd clap too. So cheers to Mr. Science clapping for his own invention. This is super cool. It's a fun feature of the stage because there's a different readout for every character. So if you do the custom KO against one of these opponents, then it'll give you little notes about them, like height and weight and stuff, but also just like little blurbs, little notes. Notably, everyone's weight is displayed, except as is the traditional and inviolable rule of the Street Fighter franchise, Chun-Li's weight is not listed. It's just question marks. Chun-Li doesn't offer her weight, and no one, not even M. Bison, has the temerity to ask. Even to Shadaloo, Chun-Li's weight is a mystery, which I love. Moving on, you thought I was getting pretty obscure with uh, SNK versus Capcom Millennium Fight for the Switch. It's time to move on to Marvel versus Capcom colon Clash of Superheroes, a stage entitled Headquarters of Evil. This isn't Riganka, but it's a really weird case. <laughs> I found this very interesting when I wrote my notes. Let's see if it's still interesting as I blaze through it at full speed. Uh, this stage is a reference to an obscure Capcom game called Forgotten Worlds. Uh, it's got giant statues of the bosses from that game in the background. That game is about taking out evil aliens who've wrecked the Earth. It's like a post-apocalypse. You play some kind of flying jetpack marine guys. Um, there are soldiers in the background of this stage that might be Shadaloo soldiers, I think. And in Chun-Li's ending in this game, when she confronts Bison, she confronts him here in the Headquarters of Evil. This seems to indicate that Bison is using the Headquarters of Evil as some kind of base or like locus of his power in the context of this game's plot or whatever. I mean, it's the Headquarters of Evil. Where else are you going to find in Bison? He probably lives here, probably has a base here. And if he didn't, if he heard that a new Headquarters of Evil opened up in town, he would definitely go check it out on opening night. So between that and the Shadowloo soldiers, there's a connection here to M. Bison. Um, it's definitely in tune with his decor sense as well. The big evil statuary, that's very M. Bison. The real reason I would bring it up is that it connects to this broader world in which Mriganka exists. Because it's not just Mriganka. It's also, what is what is the world surrounding Mriganka? If we're going to have adventures in the Street Fighter role-playing game that deal with Mriganka, what else is there? Where else is there? We're going to have a whole globe-spanning journey. Of course we are. It's a role-playing game. What are the other locations that lead up to Mriganka? Where are we going to find Shadaloo agents who tell us about the secret island base? Right? That's all part of the setting. Uh, there are... A few core games that make up the Street Fighter canon. You got your Street Fighter games, obviously, then the Final Fight games, the Rival Schools games, and Saturday Night Slam Masters, which is a pro wrestling game. 
all of these canonically take place in the same world and they share characters. Weirdly, another video game from Capcom that is pretty close to that core of canonically connected games is Forgotten Worlds, even though the rest of them are big men beat people up games and Forgotten Worlds is a jetpack marines fight alien invaders in the post-apocalypse game because there's this final fight character uh, named 2P and that's a reference to second player. He's heavily implied to be an amnesiac, like time or dimension displaced second player sprite from Forgotten Worlds that has been transported to the world of Final Fight. So essentially the implication is this goon you're beating up who calls himself 2P is actually the second player from Forgotten Worlds, former space marine transported back in time to the mean streets of Metro City. But he doesn't remember his past, his future past. What this means is that it's like it's very possible that the canonical future of the Street Fighter world is that the world gets wrecked by these alien gods from the headquarters of Evil Stage. And that really puts it in a different context that Bison sets up shop there in the present. There's also another future to the Street Fighter franchise, the alleged sequel to Street Fighter from Capcom for the NES. But that game's canonical bridge to the Street Fighter franchise has been pretty thoroughly burned at this point. I encourage you to look that up on your own if you're interested. Or you know what? Honestly, I don't. Don't. (laughs) Look, you don't have to be like me. Fuck that game. Live your life after the podcast is over. It's worth mentioning as we're talking about the extended setting of the Street Fighter world, there are also a ton of crossover games where Street Fighter crosses over with other stuff. I mentioned SNK. Uh, They're in the same world as Darkstalkers sometimes. Um, There are Street Fighter characters in Super Smash Brothers. There's a Tekken crossover. There's the G.I. Joe crossover we mentioned. There's the long-running Marvel vs. Capcom series, which has a special level of quasi-canonicity because I have it on good authority, i.e., an unknown contributor to the Marvel Wiki, that in the big Spider-Verse event where all the different Spider-Men of different worlds crossed over, one character who died was specifically the version of Spider-Man from the Marvel vs. Capcom series, which, if true, makes M. Bison a canonical character on at least one world that is canonical in the Marvel multiverse. So I'm not saying that's our Bison, but that is a Bison who exists in the same world, not only as Ryu and Ken, but also as like Captain America and Spider-Man. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm a man in his late 30s who is still very excited about the prospect of Captain America fighting in Bison. That pretty much is all that I could find for directly Mriganka and Shadaloo HQ related stages in Street Fighter, with one notable exception. In the Street Fighter Alpha series, there are a bunch of endings for different characters that take place at some kind of hidden Shadaloo base. We only really see the base in the ending, but... The final stage before you get there is a fight on this kind of like windswept dark plane with clouds that form like a skull when lightning flashes. So this is like the vacant lot outside of Shadaloo HQ. I don't have a ton to say about that. It's a vacant lot, except there are storm clouds and they look like a skull. Not the most pleasant environment for like a neighborhood baseball game, but if you're playing baseball with the neighborhood kids on a vacant lot next to M. Bison's headquarters and the worst you get is some ominous clouds, uh, you're, you're getting off pretty easy. It's a pretty nice lot, considering the neighborhood. Anyway, the big thing in the Alpha games is not this vacant lot, but the endings. The endings depict secret Shadowloo HQ, including the Psycho Drive. So let me talk for a minute about endings. Um, Street Fighter endings are always complicated because they contradict each other, right? Like only one of them can be true in any given game. So they're all of like semi-canonicity. But anyway, we're just getting a lot of different ideas for what could be in a Shadowloo base. So here are some overall observations. Um, Oftentimes it starts raining after somebody beats in Bison. I don't really know why that is, but given that M. Bison is like mainlining the world's hatred and is connected to this like dictator charging station that is 
integrally tied to everything Shadowloo does everywhere, apparently, like all the technology, it's plausible that after you beat him up, it starts raining. Like, why the fuck not? Um, in Cammy's ending, when she beats in Bison, the whole base goes up in a mushroom cloud. Uh, she's able to rescue the other dolls from the base, and it's noted in her ending that after the destruction of the base, all Shadowloo activity ceases. So this is like a step beyond when you beat up the guy who owns the island, the island blows up. One man in charge of a worldwide criminal empire. After you beat him in a kung fu fight and break his nose, it's like, and then crime ended. Thanks for playing. Um, One major feature of these endings, and I can't believe that I buried the lead on this, there's a giant like reclining Buddha statue that it turns out in the ending, its faceplate pops off and it's a giant robot that can stand up and shoot a laser. Well, the Shadaloo base produces a bunch of energy that powers an orbital Shadaloo satellite. The satellite shoots a big beam of power down at the robot, Buddha, and then the giant robot, Buddha, shoots a laser out of its nose at whatever target M. Bison chooses. While I do like the idea that it rains after you beat up M. Bison, I have to say the winning idea here, the, the big one that I would probably take for a role-playing game, would be the reclining Buddha that stands up and turns out to be a giant robot that gets shot by a beam of energy from a Shadaloo satellite and then hits you with a laser that comes out of its nose. I think that more so than the rain, would make for a great set piece. Um, I have a note here about Zongief's ending from Alpha 3 and how he wrecks the Shadaloo base, but I'm not going to spoil this shit for you. Go watch Zongief's ending from Street Fighter Alpha 3, and if you do not find that to be some player character shit, let me know by email, and I will personally wrestle a bear. Um, There's a character named Birdie. His ending in Street Fighter Alpha 3 has him kind of like not knowing how to use the Psycho Drive and getting trapped in it. It could be there's some kind of special security system. It could be that there's like more to psychodrive technology than we understand. And it can somehow like suck people in and perform some kind. I don't know. I The only thing I can for sure take away from this, I think the simplest solution applying Occam's razor to this ending is that Birdie is a dumbass. I think if he had been trying to sabotage Bison's broom closet, he could just as easily have become <laughs> entombed within. So not too many conclusions you can draw from that. Junie is one of the dolls that Bison created, a playable character in this game as well. In Junie's ending, during the fight with Bison, the Psycho Drive weakens, and that brings down Bison's power because Junie, as a doll, is able to control the Psycho Drive partially. Same thing with Cammy. So this is an important thing to add. Bison not only has cute girl clones, but those cute girl clones can kind of sort of divert or weaken the power of the Psycho Drive. This would be a great plot element to pull in if you would like to put cute girls front and center in the fight against the evil of Shadaloo, and I think you can guess where I, Chris Newton, author of Panties of Legend, stand on that topic. One of the things I really enjoyed about Secrets of Shadaloo was all the different facets of life that Shadaloo is involved in. Like, it's not just street fighting, it's not just crime, it's also like baseball. There's a delightful character in Street Fighter Alpha 3 called, I think it's Karen or Corinne, let's say Corinne. She's from rival schools. I believe, but she comes to Street Fighter Alpha 3 from that game. She's like the rich girl from like the fist fighting high school from rival schools or whatever the fuck is going on in that game. This is not a rival schools podcast. Anyway, she's the rich girl from her continuity. Wonderfully, in her ending, she fights Bison, this like rich high school girl whose family controls this corporation, right? This um, Zaibatsu. Bison says, quote, your Zaibatsu was foolish to neglect my demands. She gets on her phone and orders her family's orbital satellite to fire a laser directly at Bison's fucking house, destroying the Psycho Drive and Bison. She kills him with a satellite in her ending. 
I think in Bison and the assembled forces of Shadaloo versus a ridiculously powerful corporation and the rich high school girl whose dad owns it, that is a campaign I would play. Um, one final note about the endings of Street Fighter Alpha 3. As we conclude, you can play the game as Bison. And if you play the game as Bison, in Bison's ending, he captures Ryu and takes him to Shadaloo HQ and puts him in a chair to pump him full of psycho power, turn him into the world's greatest fighter under Shadaloo's thumb. But you know what I noticed? In the psycho power chair, Ryu is 100% naked. Once again, nudity to absorb psycho power. This somewhat undermines my thought from the Udon comics that this is a choice Bison makes to just swing his dick around as a show of power to his subordinates. But I can think of a number of reasons that Bison would get Ryu naked before putting him in that chair, other than some kind of technological limitation of the psycho drive, that it can only turn you into a demonic being if you're buck naked. Could be, could be, we got Ryu, let's just get him naked. He's a good looking guy. Soon, for patrons, uh, you're going to be getting some bonus episodes about the Street Fighter swimsuit specials from Udon, uh, and the overall topic of hotness as it relates to battle prowess in the Street Fighter universe. No spoilers, but Udon does offer us a sexy picture of Ryu. There is one sexy dude to every 10 sexy women in that swimsuit special. Ryu only gets one shot, and he does not disappoint. So maybe Bison, you know, just momentarily, just a passing, hey, this guy's hot. Before you put him on the chair, let's take off that gi. Or this could be driven by a warrior's uh, curiosity and competitiveness. M. Bison has been walking around this place with Little Bison swinging free for a long time now, and I think maybe he's like, you know, let's see, let's see what Ryu is packing. Because if you don't check, your imagination is going to run wild, right? Like Ryu is the world's greatest martial artist. He's the one who can really challenge me. He's the one whose level I've never quite been able to reach. What if, while we're putting him in for a legitimate psycho power operation onto the psycho power chair, we pull his pants down like you would for an operation, like you would for a surgery. This is standard procedure. And we see that he's got a dick like a newborn baby. What then? How would how would that affect my feelings about Ryu? Or it could be just like I am the world's greatest warrior, but not the world's greatest warrior. Maybe I've been walking around my evil base feeling like I am self-evidently the big man on campus. And in fact, what I've been showing is that I'm the second biggest man on campus. How much difference is there between the world's biggest dick and the world's second biggest dick? Depends on which one you've got. For the first guy, it's a couple inches, but for the second guy, it's miles and miles especially if that second guy is in Bison. So it could be Monster Dick, could be Baby Dick, and I feel like if you're in Bison and you're invested in this question, which I'm not, look, I'm a dispassionate observer. I mean, Ryu's been beaten. He's the one strapped to the chair. When you run out of luck, it doesn't matter how big your dick is, as the great satirist wrote. But I think Bison would care a lot about this, so maybe that's why he stripped Ryu down. But circumstantial evidence that you do need to be naked to absorb a lot of psychopower, and countervailing circumstantial evidence that in Bison is extremely invested in comparative dick length. All right, that's, that's a survey of a ton of video games in a short time. So let's move on to what we would rip off from all that we've learned today. Number one, I really like Bison as evil partners with somebody. This is something we, we actually <laughs> ironically didn't talk about very much as I was trying to race through these notes. But in Bison, we know teamed up with Geese Howard in SNK versus Capcom. He also teams up with Magneto in X-Men versus Street Fighter. He teams up with Destro back in the uh, Udon G.I. Joe versus Street Fighter comics. All those team-ups work. I really like M. Bison, like, on a throne next to another villain on a throne, or standing side by side with another bad guy 
who's equally megalomaniacal. That's really great. Also, I do love that Shadowloo HQ stage from Street Fighter V with all that bison statuary. I love the evil base fight happening in the background, like the Spacemen versus Ninjas fight. I love the laser robot. I love the satellite from all the Street Fighter Alpha 3 endings. Love that view screen. That's fantastic. And it fits the RPG version of Bison because of the fanboy factor there. You know M. Bison just loves all that minutiae, like how much do all these characters weigh, except for Chun-Li? What's little little bits of trivia about them? Like how many movies has Fei Long starred in? I think that having all that stuff in a database, that's something Bison is going to do anyway for his own use. He's a wiki kind of guy. But we know that he has trouble expressing those fanboy impulses from his position as this like evil overlord. The view screen is the perfect way to do it. Like his relationship is not one where he can say, let me get uh, an autograph from Ken Masters. But I can fight Ken Masters. I can throw Ken Masters across the room and I can arrange it so that when he hits that view screen, all of my Ken Masters trivia appears on the wall so that as Ken Masters looks up bloodied, bruised, in defeat, he looks up at that view screen and I don't have to say, hey, Ken, I've been watching your fights for a long time. I especially love your early stuff. I know about a lot of those fights in Brazil. I know a lot of people don't know about those. The ones with Blanca, those were classics. You can't even find tapes of those, but I've read the reports from the people who were there. I read that was the period where you developed your back roll throw. Is that true? You don't have to say that shit. It's up on the wall. This is how Evil Overlords fangirl on towering view screens. I'm your biggest fan and that should scare you. So the view screen is is perfect for RPG Bison. For some reason, that whole like fanboy thing connects in my mind to the nudity aspect that we've returned to a couple of times. It really comes from the Udon comic, this, this feeling that I have about M. Bison's relationship to nudity. But the thing with Naked Ryu in Bison's ending, that really seals it for me. I just feel like M. Bison is really packing something special and is interested in uh, comparing himself to his peers. It's not like his driving motivation. It's not like a huge part of his personality, but it's a very resonant part of his personality with the rest of his whole identity. Like, if you take M. Bison's dialogue, in most cases, and replace Psycho Power with Dick, it works. It all fits together. Same same dude. You don't have to have a big dick to have big dick energy, but if you do, it harmonizes. Uh, what would I disregard from what I've learned from all these video games? Uh, really, mainly the simplicity of the base, as it's often portrayed. We do not really see, like, sprawling complexes. We typically see, like, one room or, like, the little temple hideout. When we do see the base itself in the context of the endings in Alpha 3, it's a very piddly kind of generic, it's just like hallways and doors and a little bit of machinery. It's like a um, like a Doctor Who set or like a cheap episode of Star Trek. That's so not Rigonka. And there's a real threat, I think, running it in a role-playing game because you want to treat Rigonka as a dungeon. There's a risk that when you're getting into some uncharted or vague parts of Rigonka, you're going to slip into the mode of like the 10 foot wide corridor. I don't think there should be boring corridors in Rigonka. Every place in Rigonka should be weird and special, I feel. It's a funhouse dungeon, not like the kind of indoor hex crawl, like how many torches do we have left in the satchel kind of dungeon. And while I like the idea of Bison operating in other facilities he doesn't actually own on Thailand's mainland, we're going to see from time to time in portrayals of him that they've got Bison kind of hiding out. That like Bison has these little forts that he sets up where he's just like keeping a low profile and he's got his little base hidden away at the temple or like in the Street Fighter live action movie. We're going to see this. Bison shouldn't have a hideout. It's undignified. Like seeing him fighting at the temple, knowing what we know about him. he It's like he's between dictator jobs and like crashing on the monk's couch. That's not in Bison. He needs grandeur. So 
if he's going to be out there operating at a satellite location, I need him there as like a client who's there for a purpose. His headquarters should not be a hideout. It should be a fortress and a fortress with panache, like the Ring of Power stage from SF5 or the Shadowloo HQ stage with all the evil statuary. That's what I want to see. I think that wraps it up for the video games. Join me next time when we once again veer away from official Street Fighter media and look at Street Fighter, the role-playing game from the other side, the White Wolf side, as we discuss the closest World of Darkness analog to a raid on Shadowloo HQ on Revisiting Mriganka. This has been Revisiting Mriganka, a bonus series from Mega Dumbcast. Contact me or check out the show wherever you want. I am Mega Dumbcast on Podbean, Twitter, Gmail, Instagram, your podcatcher of choice, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This episode's music, used under a Creative Commons attribution license, is Tired Traveler on the Way Home by Andrew Codeman, whose work you can find at raskazoff.com. That's R-A-S-S-K-A-Z-O-F-F.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'll bust you like a nut.